0: Maybe this works to our advantage since we're such beginners, but it just seems like none of the old rules about weather and dates and so forth apply anymore. It's kind of scary. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence, it's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now,
1: Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of December 8, 2011. We're going to be talking today about farming in a hotter world. That is hotter than generations past have known.
0: Everything is changing. All the old rules seem to be going by the wayside and... Uh, as I said at the beginning, you and I don't know a much, as much about those long-time rules as most people do, so it's not as jarring for us as it is for most people, but it is, um, you just really don't know what to depend on.
1: I know, um, and certainly we read farmer farmer's almanacs and that sort of thing that tells us what to expect of the weather and planting dates and all of that. For certain times of the year, but let's face it, the past couple of years since we've been doing this have defied all odds in terms of what, what we could expect. The hotter summers, longer hot dry periods, um, and of course it's still controversial. I can't believe that it is, but our culture seems to prefer to be ignorant about the whole matter. As a whole, as a whole, that culture I think as
0: a whole, we do. There's just, we prefer to be told good news than to be told the truth. Um, Yeah. And that is a, that's a bad place for a culture to be in, but that's where we are. Yeah.
1: So we're beginning to connect the dots here because of what we mentioned earlier, the summers have been hotter, we've had less rain, and when we do get rain, it's, fierce it's um you know a, a washing uh riveting type rain as opposed to a nice calm soaking gentle rain
0: yeah we had a a nice slow soaking rain i guess it was day before yesterday and yeah. what a nice thing it is to have soaking rain we just don't get that as much anymore. yes
1: in fact at the time you remarked Oh how unusual we haven't had a gentle <laughs> rain like this in a while so um we're, and we were grateful for it but the fact of the matter is one only has to listen to the national and international weather reports to understand that there's a greater incidence of drought flooding um storms, fires, wind, high winds, I mean, tsunamis, I, I, El Nino, La Nina, we could go on and on.
0: We really could. And it, it, it's a because the rules are changing, then we have to keep weaving and bobbing. We have to keep making up new plans as we go along. It does look as if we're going to be heading into a time when we're going to have more drought. Mm-hmm. And maybe even at the same time, more floods. Because as we've said, these storms are going to be more fierce and sudden. And they're going to dump big loads of water at one time. Yeah,
1: that's right. And and the records seem to be breaking. And I, I can't cite specifics. But I do remember, maybe it was 2007. It was several summers ago that my mother, who's about to turn 87, said that she, in her lifetime, she could not remember a longer period of such hot dry weather
0: and and that's so typical, yeah, and of course, we do know that there are records being broken as we speak in Texas mm-hmm. right now,
1: yes, unfortunately uh, you know, their
0: drought continues um, and through all of this and and this is something that you and I are connecting that I'm not sure very many people at all are connecting when we're coping with this, we're going to do it with less money and we're going to do it with less energy. Yeah. So that's going to make all of this even more difficult than climate change advocates understand. So. That's right. So that leads us to this killer question. How is it that we will cope? The we plural, meaning farmers in general, Mm -hmm. and we, Lee and Amanda, meaning here at Longleaf Breeze.
1: I know, and, and I know we've addressed this on previous podcasts about climate change and what I've learned from my former colleague at Sanford, Dr. Larry Davenport, who has um, done some studies of uh, the effects of climate change and, and has uh, talked about some of the models that are being proposed, possibly for the future. One of those involving hotter, drier um, temperatures overall, globally, and also migration uh, concomitantly with that. Of certain um, species of trees and plants, and um, unfortunately, um, environments that are more favorable to undesirables such as poison ivy and um,
0: mosquitoes, mosquitoes
1: and um, um, we- certain you know weeds that that tend to choke out the healthy plants that we're trying to our tar- target crops. So we could talk on and on about the model of climate change, but. You know, we're not, I'm not at least an expert on that. What we can talk about is the here and now and what we're seeing where we are on our little patch of earth and the implications it seems to have for what we want to do to plant for and, the, our our uh, produce.
0: And if we take a step back, I guess the whole idea that you and I had to change from our suburban city life to farming here at Longleaf Breeze is one big response to our expectation about climate change yeah. and and resource depletion and so forth but even past that given that we are already here and farming there are several things that you and I are doing in response to both what we are seeing and what we are hearing we may see in the future yeah. Um, The first that comes to mind for me is the whole approach we've taken to the orchard, where wherever we can trellis, we are trellising. Right. Uh, And the one reason that I always tell people we're trellising, and it's an accurate one, is that I would like to be able to farm, to orchard, to care for the orchard with my two feet planted firmly on the ground, and that's important but the other reason is that we expect all of those high winds and if you have a fully laden fruit tree and high mm-hmm. winds you're either going to lose some fruit or you're going to lose some tree one or the other yes
1: yeah, so that that's a really um effective adaptation we believe to the changing climate and the the higher incidence of high winds. Um, Also, our drip irrigation, because uh, we've installed that because we know, I don't think we even have to guess at it at this point, we know there will be periods of drought. And if you don't have some means of providing water for um, the vegetation that you've planted, you're going to lose it.
0: And I guess it was maybe a year and a half or two years ago that you and I just came up with this idea that if we can't drip it, we don't grow it. Right. And we have been pretty faithful to that with a couple of exceptions, for things like the crepe myrtles out here. And, oh, yeah. Uh, but basically, if we can't drip it, we don't grow it. Um, and the other thing we've doing, we're doing, uh, remembering your friend Larry Davenport, is planting lots of longleaf pines. That's we right. We do that every year. Yeah,
1: because he said that longleaf pines are adaptable to the in fact they if you ever go down near mobile and in that area there's um there are some lovely longleaf pine forests although this past summer many of them seemed to be damaged by the drought i saw a lot of as we drove past um that area. Oh, you're them.
0: you're talking about just the that they're turning brown.
1: They're turning brown. Yeah. And, I'm assu- and it was right after the droughts in, uh-huh. in, in the midst of it. But um, those are trees that will mi- continue to migrate north. Unfortunately, things like the American beach may actually migrate all the way to Canada and not even exist in the United States, the lower 48 anymore. And um, which would be rather ironic. But because of what we are doing to our planet, and yes, I do believe it's um, caused by human action and human activity, and um, anybody who wants to get into a discussion about that, <laughs> I welcome you to contact me, um, But because uh, it would be a, an interesting discussion. But whatever's causing it, aside, we we're, we're realizing that certain species of plants are going to adapt better than others to the new climate. And one of them would be the long leaves.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to say, don't send us your email diatribe. This is not about you're forwarding to us some propaganda piece from one of the oil companies. If you want to engage in honest dialogue where you and we sit down together and exchange ideas, we're delighted to do it.
1: Even if that's done virtually. But I mean, we don't <laughs> want
0: we don't wish to swap propaganda with you. No, we, we've been through that. Not Too at many all. People. Not at
1: all. But, uh, We do, again, want to put our differences aside, if there are any, to say that whatever's causing it, we got a problem. And And, it is changing. And it is changing. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. And we do need to adapt in some way. Now, one conventional wisdom uh, piece that we've heard since we've gotten into this business is that for your summer garden, the time to plant most of the vegetables is Good Friday
0: right? Your heat-loving veg, things Your heat-loving like tomatoes, veg, that's right. beans, peas, that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: peppers, that sort of thing. And uh, although peppers can maybe come a little bit later, but the point is, you know, it, it has to do with the, the moon, which determines when Good Friday is, and all of the, um, the, and therefore the way the climate's influenced by that. And typically, you have a, a window, even though the the date for Good Friday can vary. There's a certain window there, but now.
0: And I should mention before you yeah. get into the yeah. but now uh, that date tends, th- that's a central Alabama date. True. There are plenty of people in other regions of the country that do the same thing around Memorial Day. And mm-hmm. people who are further south from us may do the same thing about St. Patrick's Day. I don't know, but yeah. but the whole idea is we all tend to have these. Uh, conventional wisdom ideas about when to do this and when to do that. Well,
1: yeah, like even here, we have Valentine's Day is the day to prune your roses. Right. Uh, here in and,
0: in Central at, Alabama. And so St.
1: Patrick's Day is the day, if you can make this association, plant your potatoes. So, again...
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, that's conventional wisdom based but on... But now... But, yeah, that's conventional wisdom based on the way things have been before. The but now is... Ooh, we need to rethink those dates because um, the intense heat comes along, and uh, if it comes earlier than planned, and I would say this past year it did. May we were having July-like temperatures in the end of exactly. by the end of May.
0: So what we probably should have done, we didn't do it because we were caught up getting ready to sell the house and yeah, so forth. Right. But what we probably or we should have done. We just sold the house, done, but you know. um, is to go ahead and plant well before Good Friday. Yes. Because we sorta of knew we were past our last frost. And yeah, we just you know, we were waiting for Good Friday and also because we because were cleaning we, up after the
1: The sale of the house. Yeah. We, so we had some right. things to do. But this year we ho or I should say next year, two thousand twelve, which is not far away, we'd like to try planting a good bit earlier uh, again, when we're pretty confident the last frost has passed. And, you know, with global weirding, who knows? Y- you could think. It, it, we could have a warming trend and then another freeze. It's and just... then we
0: might have another frost. Yeah, but so it, it does seem that our last frost of the winter is going to come earlier than it has historically. Yeah, yeah. And it does seem that our first frost of the winter is going to arrive later yeah, than it has historically. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which, is, which in a sense, has been forgiving to the crazy schedule I kept this fall with the wedding that we had to plan. Sure. Um, I was later getting some things in, but they've done fine. So, um, you know, there's that, adapt- that adaptation as well. But we should talk about another thing we're doing for the first time um, on any large scale, which is saving seed.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably going to help. In the sense that we're going we're getting closer and closer to having um, cultivars that are exactly suited to our climate, our soil, mm-hmm. our conditions, our method of growing. Yeah. Um, so it we hope that that will have a positive impact down the road. Mm-hmm. However, you have to say, Things are changing so fast. It's possible even that uh, that the cultivars yeah. w- for which we are saving seed will be caught flat-footed.
1: Well, at least we should have the advantage uh, from an organic gardening standpoint, and we talked about this some last week. That um, at least they they have a fighting chance of adapting to or being sort of the survival of the fittest, uh, adapting to the conditions we have in terms of pests and. Um, Right, and, and if we humidity, save seed each year, yeah. then
0: maybe we'll give them a chance to, you know, those that do the best in our conditions mm-hmm. as they change from decade to decade, from year to year, will be the ones yeah. that we for which we save seed. So, um, that's th- what
1: we have to hope. Th- and and I should also mention the cultivars that we choose will be different based on sure. what we're observing with climate change, because I know I've had. Real trouble finding any kind of lettuce other than arugula that doesn't bolt easily. And a lot of it's because, well, the, the fall lettuce I put in, we still had some hot weather left. And the, and most of that butter crunch and the romaine bolted yeah. a- in the fall.
0: And maybe we're going to figure out variations on the red sail. Um,
1: that did better than the, uh, the green. Yeah.
0: Figure out lettuce that will do fairly well in these warm conditions. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we are not yet doing but hope to do in the future. Okay. I think one of the things that we hope to do is convert our irrigation over so that we're no longer irrigating from our deep water well but uh, can begin to irrigate from the pond. That'll right. take a whole lot less energy and it, also divert less of the precious water from our well. Yeah,
1: so. and, and with droughts potentially on the rise, we're just fortunate that that um, pond is fed by an underground spring, so we hope that we, we that hope. will extend our
0: mm-hmm.
1: our time that we can depend on that.
0: And the pond is yeah. large enough that you really cannot imagine a scenario where you would pump it dry from irrigating. As long as those underground springs continue,
1: right, which it's
0: just plenty of water there, yeah, yeah. Um, So that's good. We're very grateful yeah. that we have that resource available to us,
1: and that we hope to be collecting rainwater. That when rains do come, we hope yes. to be.
0: Uh, and the rainwater we're hope we're collecting, we're not planning to use for irrigation. The rainwater we're hoping to use for our household right purposes. Yeah.
1: So, so what we have to do there is install the tanks and the pumps for the rainwater, uh, as we. Continue to work on the lodge that that will be in the works with our plans. And
0: hopefully. you and I have begun talking about this all season farming plan, and I I thought it might be helpful for us just to lay out what we mean by that, so others who may not be thinking about it yet can begin envisioning it. What you and I are seeing is that the the middle of the summertime may have been a really productive time for gardens in central Alabama in the past, but probably won't be going forward. That's
1: right, because we mentioned how our tomatoes basically shut down in July. They just didn't like that hot weather and they revived once it started to cool off a bit. Um so we can see ourselves, because we have milder winters, Doing, uh, growing practically year round out there on Veg Hill.
0: So let's start with the spring. In the spring, we're probably looking at a season that begins sometime in March, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't begin in March with the. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we can might plant begin spring in March peas with some of the heat-loving I'd
1: plant spring peas certainly. In February. Be- yeah, yeah,
0: spring peas are are well underway by the Lettuces. end of February. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm thinking we may even see um, tomatoes going into the ground during the month of March, even though technically you're supposed to wait until the end of March to get past Mm -hmm. the first to the last frost. But you know, if 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 we reliably are seeing that last frost getting pushing pushed earlier and earlier, then we may start planting tomatoes in March, and so we'll have a season that runs from March and uh, and. Probably finishes up by the end of June.
1: Right, before it starts to get too hot.
0: And then we enter this summer doldrums. And in the summer doldrums, we know the okra. Bless the okra's heart. Golly, (laughs) the okra just keeps pumping away. Yeah. We'll have okra that continues to produce. But basically everything else goes into sort of suspended animation.
1: Yeah, we may have to use some shade cloth on the tomatoes Next year, and we talked about that. We as have, and, we, and
0: we're prepared to thing. do that. We'll yeah. use shade cloth on the tomatoes, maybe even other nightshades. We yeah. may even try some on lettuces, lettuces yeah. to prolong the season for them. But the whole idea is that we're preparing more and more for a period during July and August when we really don't look for a lot of production right. from the garden other than okra.
1: yeah. And then we get into fall where we can plant in September, but actually, you can plant some fall veg. Yeah, we may plant in
0: August with the expectation that the growing season is going to be September well into December. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, there may be a frost every now and then. Our technical first frost average is October the 31st. Um, So we may get frosts um, as early as November and maybe even into October, but basically as early as November. And we will probably need to be prepared to use a frost blanket here and there when we need to. But we're going to try to keep those heat-loving veg going past the first frost, you know, by using Mm -hmm. that frost blanket because we're going to lose that period in July and August, but we're hoping to make up for it by extending that season into December with things like tomatoes and beans and yeah, um, eggplant and that sort of thing.
1: Although we do know that some of those nightshades, the minute it hits freezing, they're gone.
0: Well, so. that's why I'm thinking we use the shade cloth. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we you can mean the prolong. Frost blanket. Yeah, I'm sorry the the frost blanket. We can prolong those heat loving veg past the first frost if we use that frost blanket judiciously. Okay, well, I'm
1: willing to try. And then, of course, for the winter, you have your brassicas that overwinter. And we hope by uh, installing a greenhouse that we will be able to not only um, help some other vegetables to winter over, but also we'll have more space for starting seedlings. And the more that we save seed and start more and more plants from seed instead of buying plants already or buying transplants, we'll need the greenhouse to help us do that. So. I
0: guess we will. And it, you know, we're we're looking to a greenhouse that will remain be, uh, above freezing with little or no additional heat. We're just right. planning on designing it so that it captures and holds on to all of the heat from the sun that it needs. Uh, that's a tall order, but it's becoming easier <laughs> as yeah, it gets hotter exactly and hotter right. and winters are are less extreme but again the rules are going we we really can't say with confidence yet that the winters are going to be milder we just know they have been the last couple it, of we years. just
1: know it's less predictable and it's it's uh, a strange type of um pattern that's evolving, yes. if, if it's a pattern at all.
0: But and one of the things that we've, you and I have been able to determine that we hope we can rely on to continue into this new and untested territory is if it's going to be bitter cold tonight, it's sunny today. Now That, that doesn't speak for the rest of the world. That's just here in central Alabama. If it's going to be bitter cold tonight, that means we're going to get a lot of sun today, so if we design these structures, the greenhouse and so forth, so that we make the most of that heat that we get today that carries us into tonight when it's going to go down to 15 degrees or yes. 14 degrees or whatever, then maybe we can keep those veg above you know we can keep that air in the greenhouse above 32 degrees. Exactly we
1: use the we use the um, the power of solar collection Mm -hmm. um, during the day.
0: uh, Big vats of water that act as thermal mass and um, unlike the typical greenhouse you and I don't plan Mm -hmm. to have a greenhouse wall on the north. The north for us will be stone or Concrete block and it'll be painted black so that it absorbs absorbs as much heat heat from the sun as possible. But just a note about greenhouse design. Everything we read tells us that with a passive solar greenhouse, it's 20% keeping it warm on cold nights and 80% keeping it ventilated the rest of the time.
1: Yeah, because it's going to get hot. We know that. So, <laughs> so, so it's
0: all about managing that airflow for the many, many days that it gets warm so that you can be prepared on those bitter cold nights.
1: Well, good. Well, this has been a good discussion. We're just about out of time, so we'll say goodbye for today. But we hope you have a great week and that, we hope and that you will join us next week.
0: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at
1: 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com.
0: Our address is P.O. Box 780446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to
1: learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.